0: Hello. Hey, how are you
1: doing? Well, how about yourself?
0: I'm good. I just got an email. It reads friends and family. We hope you and your loved ones are safe and healthy with everyone's safety and comfort in mind. We have decided to cancel our wedding reception on December 31st and marry in a private ceremony. We will deeply miss your presence on our big day and sincerely appreciate your understanding. It is our hope we can come together in 2021 for a celebration of our marriage. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your love and support. Love, Sarah and George. So I'm off the hook. No ceremony?
1: Oh, there's a ceremony. Did you read? Private
2: ceremony.
0: Yeah, but that sounds like a between you and George, not a between you, George, and Dan thing.
2: Every ceremony needs an (sighs) officiant.
0: All right. So I got to do both the ceremony and a speech.
2: Yeah, you got to wish us well.
0: I wish you well every day as a good younger brother.
2: officially in an official capacity
0: on a scale of one to ten how mad would you be if you learned i had done absolutely no writing of either yet
2: i don't know like a
1: a two or a three we haven't written our vows yet oh thank
0: god okay well then you can listen to the rest of this episode
2: (laughs) sounds good i'm looking forward to it
0: yeah well um i'm gonna get off the phone because i really need to start this thing so i will talk to you later
1: good i need to plan a micro wedding so
0: that seems easier than planning a real wedding if i'm being honest i'm doing the same thing and you're doing a micro version of what you were originally going to (laughs) do
2: well it's like planning a whole other event but that's okay
0: all right I'll, i'll talk to you later all right bye hello and welcome to out of love the show where we try to make sense of love in hopes of better relationships bettering ourselves and in my case becoming a better wedding officiant my name is Dan Cassarella, and I never made it as a wise man, couldn't cut it as a poor man stealing. On today's show, I finally get to what I've been putting off for seven months and learn to write a wedding ceremony. And a speech. I've spent the last seven months of this podcast talking to people about their views on romance and their love stories in order to get a better understanding of how love motivates us and resonates within their relationships, and I could use all that information to inform how I delivered my sister's wedding speech and what I wrote. And while I've learned a lot, the one thing I have not learned yet is how to write and deliver a wedding ceremony and a speech. really haven't thought about how to do that at all. And I have barely used this platform to ask people about it. And we're on episode 26. Fuck. I mean, I don't even know where to start. What do people look for in a good wedding speech? What do they expect? I know when I get married, I like the speech to be funny and personal and specific, but I'm about as close to getting married as Fleetwood Mac is to breaking the chain. You know, come to think of it, my friend Ted just got engaged a few weeks ago, and I'm sure he's thinking about all this and what he wants. So let me talk to him to see where his head's at for wedding speech expectations. Ted, congratulations on your engagement. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Of course, you proposed to one of my dearest friends, Haley, and I couldn't be happier for you too. Thank you. Thank you. I did. As a future groom, what do you expect when you have someone give your best man speech to you about your relationship and your love?
3: That's a big question. I would say, I would caveat all this by saying I'm still in the process, perhaps, of thinking about it. I'll also caveat it by saying, because if someone's listening to this and they're like, wow, like, you know, he just doesn't have it figured out. Yeah, I'm not... Purporting to. You also got engaged a week ago. I did. So it's been somewhat of a rush, but this is actually affording me a great opportunity to begin thinking forward to this moment. You know, in thinking about this, I start thinking about, you know, what's what's the purpose of a wedding? It's also, you know, a way to mark time, you know, taking a moment to sit down with the people that are close to you that have been in your life and appreciate that moment, the moment before, and then the moments to come after. Mm-hmm. And I think for like a a wedding speech, like a best man speech, it's really putting words to that, I think, Mm -hmm. right? It's like getting up and being able to articulate in a good way the reason why you're there, you know, looking backwards at moments that have brought you to this, focusing on that moment while you're all there today and the people that are there and then, you know, focusing in some way, you know, looking forward to the future.
0: I think the difficulty in in writing a wedding speech, and writing a good one, right? Because we've Mm -hmm. all been to weddings where there's really terrible ones. The difficulty is putting how you feel into the right words to convey that sentiment to other people who don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so that is where you really, and where I'm struggling, is kind of thinking about, and I'm an overthinker, what words can I use, what stories can I tell to share how I Emote how I feel in this case about my sister with people who don't have the same relationship that we do.
3: Yeah, it's funny. One of the best speeches I've ever heard was at my cousin's wedding. I didn't really know the groom beforehand all that well, nor did I know the best man, but his stories were extremely personal. Like, you know, went on a road trip in high school. And drove like the wrong direction for six hours and realized we were in the Midwest instead of like the shore. You know, you know, obviously a very personal story <laughs> in high school, but it's like uh, it's hilarious. So that can get like your audience into it because part of it is is the audience, right? Your number one audience member is the person you're giving it to, the the bride and the groom,
0: but also everybody there. It's theater in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. you can share how you feel a very emotional message to. In, in this case, my sister, but to your best friend, to your brother, to whomever's is getting married. But you have to play to an audience. It, it, it's almost like this weird, inauthentic form of theater where you're like, let me present how right. much I yeah. love you in a, in a speech. It's almost political in that way. And so there's a very fine line of being sentimental, being honest, and being performative, whether it's being emotional and tugging at heartstrings or being very comedic, almost like it's a stand-up comedy set. Right. Right. I think it, whatever
3: you do, I don't think you can go wrong if you keep the focus on, on her, on your sister, mm-hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, that's why everyone's there. I think like if you go on, I'm sure you can find, you know, an endless trove of bad speeches, probably on like YouTube or Reddit or Twitter or whatever. And yeah. they're probably just like the, the, probably the common theme would be like people making it too much about them or taking the focus off the the couple. So I feel like there's no formula. Like you said, it, heartfelt can be good. Hilarious can be good. It, I guess it really just gets out to, you know, does it make those people feel feel good?
0: Yeah. And is it true to them? You, you were talking about bad speeches. I'm curious. Is there anything in your wedding speech that you would be absolutely mortified to hear? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on who's going to...
3: Definitely who's going to say it. I haven't thought that far ahead of who's going to be the one saying it. There's certain people I can definitely think of, like friends of mine from college, perhaps, who might tell something that I wouldn't want wouldn't to hear. Maybe, you know, like a story that's not, to put it delicately, you know, PG rated or, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe just to put you in the best of light. But I think that kind of goes with common sense, right? I, I don't imagine they would. someone would be so obtuse they wouldn't know not to say that.
0: I don't know, Ted. There's a lot of obtuse people in this world.
3: <laughs> that's that's true and at times i think I, I know too many of them
0: i fear i am one of these obtuse people
3: <laughs> not at all I, I, if you were i wouldn't be here for sure no oh, that's very sweet <laughs> of course I, I you make me you make me crack up i've been listening to the show definitely trying to hype myself up and say you know this is you know what is love as, as i'm about to propose
0: are you saying you were listening to my show to hype you up to propose
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think what I what I've enjoyed about it is just reaffirming the notion that like there's a thousand different forms, Mm -hmm. right, of what love is. Everyone's story is different. When I was thinking about this question of what makes a good speech, I found it difficult to say like you know here are the five bullet points you need to just like you know blow the crowd away. I think if you just stick with stick with nostalgia, enter with that, talk about the moment transition then to the future. You can have them laugh, you can have them cry, then laugh again.
0: I think that's great advice. And I'm also going to tell Haley that I am directly responsible for your engagement. I think that's accurate, yes? You can can tell her. You can tell her that. I'll (laughs) leave it there. (laughs) So there you have it. Out of Love is solely and wholly responsible for one happy engagement.
3: Hey everyone, Jake here, the show's editor and engineer. I'd like to quickly note that despite what our host said, Out of Love is not responsible for Hayley and Ted's engagement. It had nothing to do with them whatsoever. In fact, studies have shown that this show is actually more harmful than helpful to couples. Thank you for your time.
0: Now that I've gotten Ted's confidence as a matchmaker, I feel a little less in my head about the speech. So let me shift to the ceremony, because that seems to be the whole kit and caboodle here. Let me talk to someone who's recently officiated a wedding and has their head still in that mindset. Of course I'm talking about fan-favorite guest, Dr. Barrett Holen. Barrett recently officiated his brother's wedding in September, and I'm sure he has some thoughts on how to write a good ceremony. The last time we heard from Barrett on the show, it was late September, and he was telling us about his plans to 90-day fiancé, his amor, Carlos. But the last time I talked to Barrett, I had asked him about a certain medical ailment that was bothering me. Barrett, I wanted to give you an update since the last time you and I spoke. The rash I was texting you about has gone away. Okay, good. (laughs) you're not here to talk about my medical ailments but to talk about what this whole podcast is about officiating weddings you officiated your brother's wedding over the summer
4: how did you
0: prepare to do that ceremony
4: basically i googled a lot of shit and got a lot of info that way and then like you know you like take your relationship with your brother or your sister or like whatever and then you try to incorporate that into the speech
0: now I also have to give a speech because I'm I also technically the best man to my sister, the maid of honor. Did you also have to give a speech?
4: I did not, which was nice. I was not the best man. <laughs> um, my brother has two brothers, so like I didn't have to like do the best man's speech. You do have to do that. What yeah. do you
0: think is harder, to writing a, a wedding ceremony or getting rid of a rash?
4: Rashes are terrible. Like <laughs> literally, like no one knows anything about rashes. Like. Even a dermatologist, like, (laughs) dermatologists are like, oh, apply steroids cream to it. Oh, apply antifungal cream to it. Like, literally, no one knows anything about rashes.
0: Hmm. No one knows anything about rashes. And I still really don't know much more about how to make a wedding ceremony pop. While I feel as though Google does have a lot of my answers, I do want to be a little more personal. Luckily, I got an email from someone that I think might lead me in the right direction. If you recall last month, we were doing a big fundraising campaign for women against abuse by selling a compilation album and shirt. We were lucky enough to have a story written about our efforts in the Philadelphia Citizen, a nonprofit media organization that highlights citizenship in Philadelphia and the importance of community. They are an incredible resource. Please check them out at thephiladelphiacitizen.org. After our story was published, I got an email from their managing editor, Catherine, with the subject line, Advice for officiating your sister's wedding. Now, unsolicited advice for exactly what you need doesn't come up very often. I would know as I'm still waiting for an email with the subject, how to walk without bouncing so the neighborhood kids stop calling you a nuthead." So I opened Catherine's email, and she kindly reached out telling me how she was in a similar situation when her brother asked her to officiate his wedding. She gave me some great insight and offered to talk with me more about her process. I eagerly agreed. And because this is out of love, we had to record it. Catherine, I just finished talking to my doctor about advice for officiating a wedding, but I I wanted to talk to someone with a little bit more of a uh, journalistic background. (laughs) And you very kindly reached out to me and said you had been in a similar situation, that your brother asked you to officiate his wedding and that you were kind of seeking insight on how to do that. What was your initial reaction when he first came to you And asked you to officiate his wedding.
2: I remember it so clearly. I started sobbing. Uh, (gasps) I just completely lost it. I was overcome with emotion, I I think in part because my brother and I are pretty close and I was just so happy for him. I loved his fiance and I could tell how much he loved her. And so I was just Mm -hmm. stoked for this wedding and that they asked me to be a part of it was just totally overwhelming. And I also knew right away that I wanted to say yes. I was excited about it. It wasn't like a question at all really in my mind. I felt like I had been to a lot of ceremonies that I didn't leave feeling like I got what I wanted. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know enough about the couple or I didn't feel like swept up in this story. I didn't feel engaged. I wanted to, like, make the guests at my brother's wedding cry and laugh and swoon and all of that. So I was excited about that.
0: It's funny how going to so many bad wedding ceremonies motivates you more. You're like, I can't do that. I have to, like, (laughs) knock this out of the park. And you put more pressure than necessary on you. Totally. So your brother asked you. You're overwhelmed. You say yes. And then what was your first step as far as planning goes to start this ceremony process?
2: Well, I happen to be reading this book at the time it's called the art of gathering the author is priya parker it's incredible really the premise of her book is to break down like why we gather why we do these traditional things like birthday parties or wedding showers or ceremonies and everything else. Like it's kind of a guide to help you put together an event, any kind of event that really is going to have meaning and to be intentional about every single aspect of it. So I was already like thinking in this mindset and that was honestly a really great resource to help guide me through that. I also had one ceremony. My two friends got married two summers ago and their ceremony was incredible. And Mm -hmm. The woman who put it together just did such a fantastic job. I knew both people well, and I felt like she just really captured their personalities and the story of their relationship. So I reached out to my friend and said, hey, that woman that did your wedding, do you think she would talk to me about (laughs) doing my brother's wedding? I, Uh I need some advice. And she was like, absolutely, she'd be 100%, you know, down to that. So we just set up a call and I asked her some questions, some advice, and she shared her transcript of the ceremony with me, which was really generous. And what I got from her was like the importance of asking the couple what they want and really being able to take them through like the visioning process of their ceremony because often the problem is that it just doesn't get that much attention given to it, you know, and it's like Mm -hmm. kind of the, the step that people want to skip to get to the (laughs) reception to the fun part. So I think often couples aren't really even asked like, okay, what do I want this to be like? And maybe they haven't given it any thought, which was totally the case when I set up another chat with my brother and his fiance, Jessica, as I was going through those questions, they were like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, for example, you know, do you want... Readings. Do you want to have some folks from your bridal party or your I don't even know what it's called, grooms party? party? (laughs) Whatever that's called. Do you want to have some friends from those groups do a reading? And they were like, Oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. We'll get on it. And, you know, stuff like how do you want to do your vows? Do you want to interweave, you know, different components, or do you want it to be me speaking the whole time about how long do you want it to be?
0: That's fantastic. And you you had mentioned on our email exchange that you really wanted to make this ceremony personal and that you wanted to also get the crowd involved, so kind of speaking to what you're talking about with gatherings earlier. How did you get the audience involved?
2: This was like very over the top. I'll just say that to start. One of the things that, and I think I heard this in, in the piece about you that, you know, you're like, I don't have the best relationship experience. For me, I felt like, I've never been married. Like, what can I say about marriage? And I sort yeah, of felt exactly. compelled to like, I have to say something wise about love or marriage. And, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know where to start with that. So let me think about a way that I can get that, you know, get some good wisdom to share and also include the guests. So what I did was I reached out to my parents and I had them send me the list of invitees that my brother was inviting and I knew most of those people right because it's my brother so I went through mm-hmm. and <laughs> like highlighted all of the folks that were coming who were married or had been married. And then I compiled contact information for all of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, it was over the top. And this was all a secret. So I didn't want to ask for my brother or Jess's help. So I relied on my parents to help me find the contact information for some of the folks that I didn't know super well. And then for Jess's side, it was much harder because obviously I didn't know many of her relatives and friends who were coming. So I reached out to her mom. And she sneakily asked Jess to send <laughs> to send her guest list. And then she went through and highlighted all the folks and compiled all the con- contact information for people who had been married or were married mm-hmm. <laughs> and sent it to the data. snail mail. <laughs> So then I reached out to all of those people, many via email, which was of course the easiest, but there were a few on those lists that didn't have emails. So I sent literal physical (laughs) paper copies of my questions. I know I kept it simple. I asked three questions and I told people like, you know, I gave them some context about who I was and why I was reaching out. And then also said, you know, if you have time, and you're interested in being a part of this, answer one, two, or three, all the questions if you want one, if you, you know, I didn't want to put any pressure on people. So for sure, I made it very open-ended and optional. And what I found was that people really wanted to share. So here are the questions I asked. I said, what have you learned about being a good partner in your marriage? hmm What challenges do slash did you face in your marriage and how do slash did you try to overcome them? What are the most fulfilling and rewarding parts of marriage for you? So pretty simple. Like, Mm -hmm. I just felt like those questions were going to lead me to some specific stuff that I wanted to include. And they totally did. I mean, people shared a lot. Most people answered all three questions. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so that was really exciting. And then of course I had all of this content and I was like, crap, <laughs> this is way <laughs> too much. What am I going to do with this? But what I did is I just pulled out themes and the whole goal of this like sort of section of the ceremony was to be able to, you know, literally what I said was like, you know, Jess, Andrew, Many of your family members and friends who are gathered with us today uh, took the time to share some of their marriage experience and advice with me, and I'm going to share, you know, some of the common themes that came up, and and then I just did sort of like a here are some of the hardest parts that they talked about, and here mm-hmm. are some of the greatest parts they talked about, and of course they the good parts for last. And what I hoped that would do for the for the audience is first of all, like one thing that Priya Parker talks about in her book is giving people some information about what's going to happen when they get there that they can look forward to. Uh So like this sort of, this pre part of the event, it can be really important. And that's, you know, like the invitation is a super simple thing that we don't think about often, but if done really intentionally, it can sort of bring you into this feeling about what this event's going to be like that, that matters, you know, that has like, that like gets you in a different mindset about the event that you're about to attend. Absolutely. So I felt like doing this would serve that purpose of getting people excited. Like they're like, oh, I'm already I feel like I'm a part of this event that's happening. And then also while they're sitting there in the ceremony, like they're looking forward to hearing the little nugget that they shared, you know, or mm-hmm. like hear, looking for themselves in their response. Um, And then I also had all this great marriage advice. (laughs) I was like, this is a side perk for maybe one day. You
0: keep saying that was over (laughs) the top as if you're not on a podcast in its 26th week of being about love for, (laughs) like you're talking to the right person here.
2: Thank you for that perspective. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Although this, this, we go off topic all the time. I can't say that every week of work necessarily is in prep for a ceremony, but it is, it is those gestures that, that I think it sounds like a resonator for you, hopefully it will do so for me come showtime, inform you better to give a good ceremony. My also problem is I have to give a speech and a ceremony. So oh, I have to- Oh,
2: damn. Yeah. The more
0: <laughs> I talk fair. to people about this- <laughs> Not fair. The more they're like, oh, I only had to do one or the other. I got to sort both out. Yikes. Well, I think I'm going to go to a, a professional for the speech and see if she can uh, help me sort things out in that capacity.
2: hmm That's a good idea.
0: Now, I'm not going to do Catherine's incredible lengths of reaching out to all the married people who attended her brother's wedding. And I easily could because now that it's a private ceremony, there's only going to be about seven people at this thing. But I will keep using this over the top platform to talk to a professional. And her name? Caitlin Stannis. She's the founder of Wedding Words, where she provides ghostwriting services for weddings. Caitlin can write any type of speech for any style and tone of wedding. She's a modern Serenity Bergerac with a normal nose and an easier to pronounce name. Caitlin writes and edits wedding vows, ceremonies, and speeches for the maid of honor, best man, and the parents, making her the perfect person to talk to and learn from about how to write and deliver the perfect wedding ceremony and speech. I still can't believe I have to do both. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on with us today.
1: Hey, Dan. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Many years ago, I went to a wedding where they announced the speeches. The best man got up. He has a champagne flute in his hand. He grabs the microphone. He looks at the groom and just shouts. I love you so much. And then just gives him a bear hug and raises his glass. And that was it. that was the speech. So oh, wow. I'm, I am i am guessing you tend to avoid doing things like that, correct?
1: Absolutely. Speeches like that are a big reason why I started my business. So I am a wedding vow and speech writer. So people reach out to me to essentially ghostwrite some of the most important words that they'll say on their most important day.
0: Why is it that people have so much trouble writing their own wedding vows and speeches?
1: It's incredibly overwhelming to have all of these emotions and ideas and stories and want to do justice to somebody that you really care about. I work with a lot of parents and I work with a lot of siblings who are usually the maid of honor or the best men. And so for them, especially, it is so important. You know, think of a parent who's who's raised this child and they're 30 years old. And how do you articulate 30 years worth of emotion into three minutes. And mm-hmm. I can speak from experience too, as even though this is my profession, I just got married and I was even overwhelmed with how to write vows for my, my now husband. And so it's helpful to reach out to a third party who their expertise is in writing and is in journalism like myself where it's all about asking the right questions to get to the heart of what the story really is to put context and color and organization to those emotions easier than being able to do it on your own
0: and i think it's really hard for people to write when they are so close to themselves we did an episode a few months ago where I talked to a person who writes dating app profiles. And I asked him the same question. I'm sure you get very often people saying to you, well, if I don't write my own vows or my speech, it isn't authentic. What do you kind of say in response to that?
1: Yeah, I think that's the big misconception is that when you work with a speechwriter, writer, that we're making up the speech using really generic phrases and quotes and just kind of writing something that we think the other person would want to hear where the reality is when i work with somebody i'm really getting to know who they are on a personality and voice level and also the specific anecdotes that are going to bring their speech to life so mm-hmm. i worked with a recent maid of honor who when she practiced reading the speech in front of her husband, he said, wow, this sounds exactly like you. And that's always my goal is it shouldn't sound like a canned speech that you just were able to Google. It should sound like something you wrote on your own. Kind of like when they say, you know, a bride should look like the best version of herself on her wedding day, but she should still look like her. I believe Mm -hmm. your speech should sound like the best version of you on your most eloquent day.
0: Absolutely. And and it must be, challenging to try and write for different tones for different people. Some people are very exuberant. Some people are are more stoic. How do you, when you talk to someone who reaches out to you, how do you get a sense of their tone and put that to pen?
1: So for every client that I work with, we do a video call. So that right there helps to not only hear their voice, but see the way they move when they speak and their personality kind of shines through. And do they have a really dry sense of humor? Or do they not have a sense of humor at all? Mm-hmm. And I take it as a really fun challenge when I have somebody who is very stoic and serious versus like the frat guy who wants to make a ton of jokes. And I have to kind of reel him in on what's appropriate and what's not. So I've been called a chameleon because I've written for people who want very, you know, serious with a lot of religious undertones all the way to somebody who, like I said, I have to say, you know what? grandma probably doesn't want to hear that joke. So we shouldn't include it.
0: Do you ask like who is going to be in the audience to kind of get a gauge of how to write this speech and how, what kind of material to put into it?
1: I do. I always ask what is uh, not only the vibe that they want their speech to have, but what is the nature of the event? So tell me about the venue. How many guests are they expecting? Tell me about the couple's personality and you know, the location. So I kind of get a picture in my mind of, of what that day is going to look like. And some people actually give their, they reach out to me for the wedding speech, but it's usually given at the rehearsal sometimes too, if it's especially the groom side. So parents of the groom often will speak at the rehearsal because traditionally they host that event more than the wedding day. So that's important to know as well when I'm writing it. Is it the actual wedding day or one of the pre-wedding festivities?
0: When I think about what you do, what, what I can't wrap my head around is Not only are you taking someone's voice and their stories and their memories and turning that into vows or speech, you're also writing this to someone whom you'll never meet. And you just have to go through the perception of the subject who's your client. How do you write a speech for someone whom you very likely will never meet?
1: I've always been told that I ask really good, interesting questions. Mm -hmm. And that is the number one thing that I can say to answer your question is, I have a genuine interest in people. And so let's say I'm working with a maid of honor. And to your point, I'm never going to meet the couple, but through the maid of honor, I get a good sense of who that couple is because she's telling me stories About what she really admires about the bride and the shenanigans they got into on different trips they took and stuff like that. So I get a sense of, okay, this is a couple who's really playful and fun and they're going to welcome kind of these sarcastic jokes, you know, as opposed to somebody who oh, this this bride has spent a lot of time planning a very elegant romantic wedding and it's mostly her father's business partners there that we probably want to pull back on the college remember when at this party kind of joke. So mm-hmm. it's just asking the right questions. I typically send a list of about 15 to 20 questions to each client to just kind of get them mentally prepared for what sort of questions will guide our conversation. But the call always goes, veers off of those questions. Those are a jumping off point. And then I'll learn something from them. Like, let's say I'm talking to a groom and he tells me when I say, what do you really, what are you going to value in marriage? If he, if he keeps saying honesty and that keeps getting brought up, there's a reason why honesty more than just, you know, what you think, oh, I think I should value honesty in marriage. So I'll dig into that. Well, why is that so important to you? Were you in past relationships that where they weren't as honest? And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I start learning, well, yeah, actually I've never had a relationship like this one where I can actually fully trust the other person because I've always been lied to or cheated to. Well, obviously I'm not going to include those details in the vows, but they're important context for me to know because all of a sudden now this tells me more about why this partner is even more important to them. And mm-hmm. and that level of trustworthiness is such a, a core value. So it's it's about digging really beyond just the surface questions. And I'm able to do it in less than an hour.
0: <laughs> that is incredible. My background is in in television and television comedy. What stand-ups do to have a good joke, and you'll see this on, on hour-long specials is the callback, right? They might tell... Oh,
1: I love a good callback. That is go. one of my favorite things.
0: Well, th- that seems like to be, in, in a general sense, the key to a great speech, right? Like you start with like a light humorous story yes. that has a little nugget of, of something of substance. You tell a more personal story, you talk about your relationship to someone, and then you build it back to that callback. But yes. I feel as though that story is so hard to find
1: hmm My advice for that is to start with just a brainstorm session. So I encourage if, you know, people aren't working with me and they're trying to do this on their own and they need some advice, I tell them to do what I call the pen to paper exercise. We've probably all done this at some point in middle school where your teacher said, okay, I'm setting a timer for the next 15 minutes. You know, you can't lift your pen from your paper and just keep writing. Even if you're writing, you know, I'm stuck. I don't know what to write. And just start brainstorming ideas. You can do this for vows or a speech. So let's say it's a speech. Start brainstorming, you know, things about the person, stories, trips you took together. And and that is a way to tap into your subconscious and to not judge what you're writing. A lot of times when people sit down to write that first draft, they feel like the first draft has to be the final draft. And mm-hmm. I encourage people to just write something. You can edit a poorly written speech, but you can't edit a blank page. So just get something down on paper. And then once you're looking at all these stories and anecdotes and notes that you took during the brainstorm, themes will start to emerge. So you might see, wow, all, there's a few stories here that are all about how my friend has always been that you know supportive cheerleader for me. Or a lot of the stories here talk about how she's such an adventurous person and she's up for anything. So the, the goal with that brainstorm is to find a theme And then whether they're stories you wrote in the brainstorm or other stories that you think of afterward that can tie into that theme, now you have a central theme to tie the whole speech together. Mm -hmm. So from there, I would recommend that you have usually two or three short stories. Keep them lighthearted. I love when the stories are kind of lighthearted. But then at the end of those, when you go to tie it together, that's when the more serious moment comes in. That you can usually tie it into either advice or wishes or why you're confident that you know your friend is going to be, you know, have an amazing marriage because of this trait that they've shown throughout all these examples you just shared. And where the callback comes in is typically within one of the earlier stories, there'll be a very specific line that then will tie into the end. So I'll give you an example. It's not a speech I wrote, but it's like my favorite callback I've ever heard in a wedding speech. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the, the the wedding party, and it was the father of the bride that gave this speech. And he talked about in the beginning his daughter has always had a passion for dance, and she's a, a ballerina, and all these things with dance. And her new husband is a musician. And so he told a lot of stories about that and it was very fun. And and then at the very end, he said, her mother and I are so thankful that our tiny dancer has finally met her music man. Hmm. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, drop the mic. Amazing. (laughs) And everybody was like clutching their heart, but also wiping a tear away. So that's, that's my formula. is like, make them laugh and smile throughout the speech, but then at the end, make them wipe away a tear.
0: That's perfect. I imagine we're talking with people who have the best intentions. They want to really deliver like a killer speech, but I also am sure people come to you and they just want to kind of, especially best men, do like a really funny speech and kind of like embarrass the groom a little bit. How do you shoot those ideas down <laughs> and kind of form them into something a little more tangible?
1: Yeah, you definitely, you definitely pegged the best men. <laughs> and what's interesting too, I will say, of all the people that reach out to me, best men are the, the group that reaches out to me the least amount of time, mm-hmm. which I find to be really interesting because I can tell on my analytics that they're on my site more than other people based on the content they're reading, but they don't reach out. And I just, I wonder often why that is like, why do I have a lot of fathers will reach out to me, but the younger men don't and maid of honors will reach out to me, which am just curious about that. But to your question, how do I push back on those ideas, which I definitely have happened often, especially this year. A lot of people want to talk about COVID and I do not recommend including any jokes about COVID in a wedding speech. So what I'll typically do is if they bring up an idea on the call, I'll let them know why I wouldn't recommend doing that. And I do have them push back On my advice a lot, so then I'll try to work it into the speech in a way that I feel like is balancing their wants with what I feel like is still appropriate. Mm. At the end of the day, it's their speech, so I'm never going to say absolutely not. You can't include this, but I do communicate why it could make guests uncomfortable. I've had parents want to make you know jokes about how you know what their wedding night was like at the same location of the venue. No. I've had jokes of wanting to include about, you know, ex-girlfriends and how you're better than any ex that my brother has been with. And so I'll communicate my advice, but at the end of the day, it's really up to the client and if they want to kind of dig their feet in and keep that in a speech or not.
0: How can someone include the partner of the subject in the speech if they don't know them well, if they don't have a good relationship with whom their brother or sister or friend is about to marry?
1: Sure. So in those cases, whether it's that or even like, let's say you know them really well, but you just don't like them. You know, that Uh, happens too. It's like, how do you say something really nice on their wedding day if you just genuinely don't necessarily care for this person? And in those cases, I recommend instead of telling a story that's focused on, let's say it's a groom that you don't know that well, (laughs) then I would recommend instead focusing on why the groom makes your friend happy. So there's obviously a reason why he or she is marrying this person and focus on that. Ever since my friend has been with so-and-so, I've just seen how she is happier and, and less stressed or whatever it is. And you can tell that story. I the change you've seen in her because of the influence that this person has on her
0: how long should a speech be does it depend on the on the venue does it depend on what the bride and groom want, or is there kind of like a set amount of time typically that a speech should be
1: i recommend that a wedding speech should be between two to five minutes and when in doubt go on the shorter side never go on the longer side i've seen i watch a lot of different wedding videos And I've seen speeches that are 10 minutes long, that is way, way too long. It doesn't matter how amazing of a public speaker you are, how great your stories are, at some point you're going to lose the guest interest. And more importantly, you're going to lose the emotional impact. I talk about emotional impact a lot with my clients and and on my website. And that's really the key to any speech is having emotional impact. And the way that you can do that the most is typically when it's in a shorter amount of time. So mm-hmm. brevity is really key in achieving that. And also keep in mind, you're not the only one giving a speech. There's typically a minimum of two to four people giving a speech at a wedding and all the speeches combined should be less than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, again, you start to lose guest interest, but you, you also start to cut into the timeline of the day. Now dinner is delayed Or you're speaking during dinner, which is very distracting and not ideal. So two to five minutes. Nice.
0: And you mentioned, you know, no matter how good of a public speaker you are, what are some public speaking tips to help deliver a good wedding speech or wedding vows?
1: Absolutely. I always say that writing a killer speech is only half of the journey. The other half is really preparing yourself to deliver that speech. Because the way that you say a speech can really make or break whatever words are written. So the first thing is to practice. A lot of people are so nervous that they procrastinate reading the speech because it's just so nerve wracking. But practice reading it out loud a minimum of three to five times before the wedding day. And if possible, do it in front of someone you can trust to give you constructive feedback. Mm -hmm. My other tip is to speak louder and more slowly than you think you need to. When we're nervous, we have a tendency to kind of, quieter voice, almost to hide ourselves or to speak very quickly to just get through that painful feeling, but slow down. You want everyone to be able to understand what you're saying. And then my last piece of advice for public speaking is for people who are fearful of just speaking in general, but also worried that they'll get too emotional, make fake eye contact. So Mm -hmm. One of the moves to look like a rock star speaker is to make eye contact, but it can be nerve wracking to meet eyes with people in the audience and think, oh my gosh, are they making that face? Because I'm not interesting. Are they bored? And so just look right at the top of their heads. And for you, it'll help to calm your nerves because you're not having to read into what people are thinking. And it's less nerve wracking just to not make eye contact. But for every guest, they won't know the difference. It'll look as if you're meeting them eye to eye.
0: This whole show is about me over-preparing for being <laughs> to uh, officiate my sister's wedding. Have you officiated weddings? I would imagine that given your line of business, people often come to you to uh, help them out.
1: You would think I've officiated a bunch, but I have never officiated a wedding. I think it would what? be super fun, um, and if, if anybody, you know out there wants me to officiate their wedding, please reach (laughs) out. But I, more often I help officiants write the ceremonies. So like yourself, um, I work with family members and friends who are asked to officiate a wedding and they have no idea what to say or what the order of the ceremony events need to be. So they'll come to me and I'll actually write their intro, the officiant address, I'll write a nice closing that ties everything together. And then I'll also include where, you know, the exchange of rings, the exchange of vows, the blessing, readings, any of that will curate everything together. And I'll put it in a, like an agenda format for them.
0: Awesome. Now I have to both officiate the wedding and give a best man speech. Whoa, that's
1: double duty. That's a lot.
0: (laughs) You you know, there has to be different tones and balances for, for both of them. Yes. How would you recommend I differentiate the two speeches so to speak
1: i love this and this is for your sister's wedding right
0: this is for my sister yeah
1: and are are you close with her future
0: spouse i am close i I, you know she lives in seattle for most of the time they were dating i lived in los angeles now i live on the east coast so we're friendly we'll text i like him a lot i i have no harborings against him but Uh i wouldn't say we have a particularly close relationship just because we were always at a distance when they were dating
1: Got it. Okay. So off the bat, what I would recommend is that, you know, the ceremony, this is where I would also want to ask you more questions, right? Like I would want to know about the couple and their tone, their personality. But since I don't think we have time to go into a 45 minute discussion with you about that, my initial reaction would be to say the ceremony should be more on the serious romantic side, but if they are an incredibly playful, funny couple, definitely weave that energy throughout your address. I describe the officiant address because that's always confusing to people. I describe that as something that should be personal to the couple. That's why they chose you because you're you're somebody who knows them better than a stranger they would hire. So it should include a little bit of background about their love story, you know, why they're a good match. But then you zoom out to more universal topics of marriage advice and kind of weave together this combination of the personal about them with the universal about marriage. So -hmm. that would be the officiant address and the ceremony piece. And then for the best man speech, I think that's when you, you know, really have fun and you think of those childhood stories with your sister that you can get into that you wouldn't during the ceremony that really illustrate her personality and what, what you admire about her and, and just come up with that killer callback.
0: I love that. I feel good. I feel much better than I did six months ago when I <laughs> needlessly started a weekly podcast about officiating. Well, a you're wedding.
1: definitely doing more preparation than I've ever heard a new officiant do. So props Way to too you. Much.
0: Way. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and talking to me today.
1: My pleasure. Yes. And if if your listeners need any help, they can find me at weddingwords.us.
0: There you have it. Thank you to Sarah. Ed, Barrett, Catherine, and Caitlin for coming on the show today. Next Tuesday, how a couple got out of the friendship bucket and got married. Tuesday on Out of Love. If you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at outofloveshow at gmail.com. Please subscribe to and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Out of Love is a production of WeeWo Media and is recorded at Green Street Studios. It is hosted and produced by Dan Cassarella. The show is mixed by Jake Katz, our engineer. Aaron Bradley is our art director. The opening theme is Acolyte, and the closing theme is Toronto Mug, both written and performed by Slaughter Beach Dog. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay lovely.